0: Thank you.
1: The Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider,
0: James Ham. Welcome to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me today, a very special guest, former Sacramento Kings, and now Director of Player Personnel for the Sacramento Kings, Peja Stojakovic. Peja, how are you?
2: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm excellent. Uh, the season's winding down, and there's so much... I don't know, you know, angst built up with this season. But Vlade gets a new contract. Things seem to be solidifying. How has this first year been for you back in Sacramento with Vlade and this franchise?
2: Uh, it's it's been great. It's been uh, it's been also challenging uh, uh, from the very beginning. But uh, we do see potential in our team. I think we have learned a lot. Uh, about ourselves uh, as a group, and uh, I think it's it, it going to give us a better, a better picture of what uh, needs to be done uh, in offseason.
0: There's a lot of work to do in this offseason. You guys are already scouting. You're already looking at players at the college level and everything else, but how much of a whirlwind has this been for you, trying to learn on the fly and trying to figure out what it's like to be in a front office and how to mesh together with all these guys?
2: Well, it's it's it, at the end of the day it's, it's, it's still basketball uh, since, since we have been in basketball for so many years we, we try to use always uh, our basketball judgment but there are other aspects of, of our job that uh, uh, y- you, you do worry uh, about uh, about different things that y- you were you weren't when you were a player uh, but uh, it, it was a smooth transition for both of us. I would say so. Uh, I, I think we we were always uh, uh, using our, our uh, experience and knowledge that we gained through, through the through the years that we spent uh, in basketball and uh, uh, and and just uh, using the basketball judgment, being uh, being realistic about the situation.
0: Okay, I watch you out on the court. I've seen plenty of times this season you out there working with Willie or working with other players. How much do you miss being a basketball player and being out there and having you know, to be the camaraderie with the guys and sort of shooting the ball and just being around it?
2: Well, at, at the beginning, it, it, it was difficult for me to kind of uh, understand that, uh, that it was over for me. I had to remove myself completely. Not, not only physically, but mentally as well, that I wasn't a player anymore. The first year, that was, I think that every player goes through that uh, period of time when they're still trying to figure out what's next for them. But uh, uh, I, I still like to be around the guys. I still feel that uh, I can use uh, my experience and, 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 and my knowledge for the game to, to, to help them develop just just to share on the court and off the court uh, that's, that that's has been my uh, uh role uh, uh, within the king's organization you know uh, just just be a mentor to those guys and uh work with them uh, not uh, putting pressure on them uh, just being in their corner when when needed uh sp- occasionally uh, spend time on the court as well uh uh in, I'm enjoying that. I I I, I think uh, having that opportunity uh, to be around basketball again, uh, it's it's fantastic, and I'm, I'm 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 really enjoying it.
0: When you watch Willie, I again I've seen you out here recently. He's working on that Dirk fadeaway, the the spin move, fall back. How he's a sponge. He just takes everything in so quickly, and he's so bright. How nice is it to see someone that has sort of unlimited athleticism that also has a touch. And, you know, you, you're getting him at, at a, such an early age where you can actually mold him into something different.
2: Really, it's uh, such a bright guy. Uh, he understands the, the position that he is in. Uh, he understands the responsibility that comes with uh, 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 being an NBA. Uh, he's willing to work, to learn, uh, and I think he has a great potential. I, I think uh, from the moment we, we drafted him, we felt we, we, we got somebody who, who can play uh, various positions. That he has so much room to improve. Uh, he's natural as far as using his physical ability, running the floor, uh, defending the rim, uh, finishing, uh, but he has so many things... That you can see that he can work on it, that that it's in him. As far as ball handling, as far as shooting a 15 footers, as far as uh, uh, taking the guy off the dribble, uh, he has so much potential. in Him, I, I, I told him the other day, you you, you are a uh, small forward trapped into the uh, big body in in a center position, and and I and I, and I think as, as as the years goes on, I think we're gonna we're going to see Willie really play way, way better basketball.
0: Is there anyone that he reminds you of that you played with?
2: Uh, for the second, uh, when, when I first saw him uh, in the summer, I, uh, he reminded me a little bit of Tyson Chandler when he first came came out. But I think uh, with respect to Tyson, I think Willie's really a little bit more talented offensively. Willie uh, really has a better feel for the ball. I think... Uh, uh, really it's uh, more versatile uh, I, I think he's, he has a better footwork as far as like uh, 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 moving uh, outside of the paint and, and even defending the, the uh, smaller players uh, but as, as, as the year went on I, I, we could see in practice in games that, that, uh, that he's much more than that that he has so much room uh, to improve
0: Okay, so this team has had a rough go. What is it when you're analyzing and you're sitting back, what do you guys, where did it go wrong for you guys? What do you think, I mean, you can go back and pull at least 10 games that could have gone a different way, that should have gone a different way, and this team would be right in the hunt. But if you pull back and say, okay, if I were going to point to one thing, this is what I would think, where we went wrong this season.
2: (sighs) Uh... But let's let's go back just to just to games that we we lost. Uh, uh, I think we lost eleven games to the teams that are in uh, that are going to be in the lottery this year. Uh, so that means that we will be probably at the mark of forty wins as of now. Uh, looking from that side of the uh, as far as winning and losses. Uh, I, I think uh, it, it was it, to us. It was uh, logic to, that it will take some time for guys to mesh because uh, it was uh, a new player, nine new players that came in, in, uh, uh, in free agency and in, in, in through draft, and and, and, and always takes time uh, uh, for the guys to, to learn their game, to, to try to work it out on, on the court uh but so, so much inconsistency, uh, so much inconsistency, I, I, I think uh, that uh, there were times, like especially in January when we won five in a row that uh, and then we had a tough break against Charlotte that we lost in a double overtime. And that from that point on, when you were feeling that you're gonna like like go over that hump, it, it happens. It happened opposite, uh, but uh, uh, you know we have seen some good things. Uh, we have seen some uh, not so good things. So the, the, there is definitely put a lot of potential uh, on this team. A lot of lot of assets. Uh, and and then when the summertime uh, comes, uh, the season is over. It's uh, I, I think. Uh, uh, with Lade and the rest of the group, we have to all sit down and uh, uh, figure out what's the best way.
0: Okay, you, you know chemistry. You've seen chemistry. At, you guys put it together so well here in Sacramento in the early 2000s, late 1990s. What is it that it takes to sort of get that synergy where everyone is pulling together and everyone's a family, and and can this team, can you get this team to there?
2: Uh, well, it, Chemistry—it's it's, it's something that doesn't happen overnight. Uh, in, in our case, it, it, it happened really uh, fairly quickly because it, 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 I think we all clicked as a personalities. Uh, but chemistry on the team—it's like a marriage. You have to work at it. You have to—you have, to, have to give and give and, uh, and take. Uh, it's, it's not just showing up. Uh, being a good teammate, it's, it's not just being there. It's, uh, it's, uh, show I, I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's responsibility you know, to create the chemistry. Uh, you have to, uh, as, as I said at the very beginning, I mean, uh, communication is the best way to improving the chemistry. Uh, what, uh, what better way than being honest with each other? Uh, I, I think that's uh, that's what happened, uh, if we see, have seen in the past, uh, with all good teams. Uh, I, I think uh, being uh, realistic about the situation and, uh, and, and being fairly honest uh, uh, with each other. I think that's what uh, helps any relationship and that also helps with improving the chemistry.
0: Okay, so you've been working a lot with the Reno Bighorns this year. And they are about as strange a group. I mean, the Grinnell-style offense, David Arsenal Jr., it's really an intriguing thing to watch, just up and down, line changes, you know, switching out players. How much have you learned and grown from that experience, and how excited are you that they're Western Conference championship, uh, champions in the for the D-League and how well they've done this year?
2: It was very challenging because uh, we had to start from scratch. So we didn't have any players. We had rights on the different guys, and we knew that few of the guys that we brought in the training camp that that we would send them to to uh, to a D league to our team over there. But it was challenging, but also also it, it, it gave me freedom to be to be creative as far as uh, uh, putting a team together, uh, working with the. With the coaching staff, working with the with the, some of the staff in our front office, as far as uh, getting their input on some of the guys, because it's very hard that you are selecting the players that you have never seen the play and and you never heard of their names, and 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 trying to trying to I uh, kind of learn uh, about them in a short period of time and trying to put them together. Obviously, last year they play they play as you mentioned uh, exciting, but. Not realistic. Uh, scoring 130 plus points, it isn't realistic, uh, and also receiving 130 plus points in the games. So, basically, when we first met this summer with the coach, I, I told them like oh, it would be good that you spend time with, with our coaching staff, that that guys that are playing for our team in Reno, that they uh, get a the realistic feel what would be if they get a called up. So they, they would understand the system that, that Coach Carl is playing here, which which was a dribble drive. and uh, But also uh, insisting on moving the ball, playing the right way. I think that was, that was my whole thing the, the, from the very beginning, uh, uh, coaching and teaching those young guys. A lot of those guys are very talented, but they, they uh, haven't been taught how to play the right way. And I've been telling the coach, it's like sharing the ball, uh, playing the right way will get them to next level. Them scoring or padding their individual stats will not help them with their careers. So t- I think from I think we were able to to spend time with those guys. that had tough breaks, or they were on the verge of being an NBA or not being. Just letting them know what will take them to. To get to the next level, to, to receive that next opportunity, and uh, I have to give also the credit uh, to to the staff over there. They they really have done a wonderful job, sp- spending time uh, with the players on the court and, and just and just uh, teaching them. Uh, and season season has been has gone pretty good, pretty good for us. Uh, although you lose players. Uh, we lost Eric Green for uh, two ten days in Utah Jazz. A uh, few guys were bought out. Mm, uh, uh, they went to Greece uh, and they went to Germany as well. Toppert uh, and uh, and our big fella Vince Hunter, Vince Hunter was so so it's. It, 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 it also put, uh, have put us in a position uh, to look for uh, other options, but it also gave us uh, uh, p- pleasure that we were able to create opportunity for those guys. I think that's that's what D-League is about. It's helping those guys, understanding how the game needs to be played and, and and creating opportunities for them.
0: Okay, I don't want to keep you all day. I know you're a busy man, but four games left at Sleep turning Arena, Arco Arena. What's your best memory of playing here and being here at this arena? And number two, Scott Pollard on Survivor. Have you been watching?
2: I haven't, but we are. Uh, I haven't. I have seen some pictures of him. I can imagine. Uh, I, I don't have to see anything about Scott. I can. I can just imagine, and I, I, I do get pretty good idea uh, what he was doing over there. It's just exciting. Uh, I mean, it's, it's exciting times, you know, exciting times that uh, we're going to uh, be playing final few games at home. Uh, we're going to see a lot of, uh, lot of players that have gone through the Kings organization uh, at, at our last game here on April 9th. And also exciting in, uh, as far as moving into a new building. Uh, it's uh, I think it's a celebration of... Uh, of sleep train, of uh, sort of, uh, of memories of, uh, of all the great moments that were created in, in, in this arena with the different teams and also uh, moving into something new and uh, something exciting and uh, that will be great for all of us, not for the team only, but also for the city.
0: Perfect. pages soyakovich thanks so much for dropping by. Thank you. Welcome back to the Kings Insider podcast. I am James Ham, your host. Joining me today, Mr. Aaron Bruski of hoop-ball.com. AB, what's happening?
1: I'm having a flu game today, but I feel good. I got all the the medication that you could get in you. It's in me. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. It's in you.
0: It's in you. All right, so let's start with uh, let's start with this. The Road to 33. <laughs> Uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> you know what? It's funny. I've completely wrote them off. So I, I'm if they if they actually pull it off, that would be shocking.
0: They keep dragging you back in. <laughs> but
1: it, it, I'm sure we'll talk about it. But I have a lot of theories why it's happening.
0: Well, let's just start there. Okay, so the Kings have won three out of four. They uh, and not only three out of four, but I gotta be honest. The three out of four they've won in convincing fashion. The one game that they didn't win, uh, it was because Demarcus Cousins, Rajon Rondo, and Rudy Gay decided to uh, like like do nap time. They they just rested and didn't play, and that's a franchise decision. I don't think that's a coaching decision. It's definitely a franchise decision. The team is looking and going, oh my gosh we're clinging to a half game lead for the seven spot in the lottery. And if we win a couple more games, we could go to the 11 spot and lose our pick. So things are getting a little dicey in Sacramento with regards to the pick. Um, I, I would, wouldn't would be shocked to see Vlade Divac literally give George Carl like four players to play with one night, including like Karam Butler, Duye, Dukin, and Eric Moreland and say, hey, see what you can do with these three and Seth Curry and uh, and letting this thing ride out. The Kings want to keep their pick. They know they're not going to make the playoffs, although with seven games remaining in the season, folks, they have not been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. So, Aaron, let's start there. What are your thoughts?
1: So if you're talking about why they're winning uh, right now, they're playing like a team that's got nothing to lose they've they've more or less tuned george out. Uh I thought everything hit a crescendo, pardon me, crescendo when they um when the stuff with Seth happened and DeMarcus went to the camera and you you had um George saying after the game all all the things that we've covered in mass. Um I think that the team pretty much moved on from George at that point. Uh and I think George even kind of moved on You don't see him fighting that fight in the media anymore. When Stephen Curry weighs in with a tweet about the situation in Sacramento with the coach, I think that shuts down any conversation that that this is the players that have had the issue this season. I I mean, the players have had their issues, but Stephen Curry is universally respected. Um, You know, he's going to stick up for his brother, but he's also not going to just blatantly stick his nose into something like this without having a pretty good idea that the coaching situation's pretty messed up. So you've been seeing the Kings play very free and it's, they've had the right players on the court. Uh, Willie Cully Stein has been playing. He's been playing great. Uh, Seth Curry has been on the floor. He's been playing all right. Um, but there's been a lot of pop in their step. They still do a million things that drive you crazy. They're still out there running Rondo's offense and it's, completely mind-boggling like you know how how that is uh considered good basketball play but altogether when you factor it in you see why this team has the talent to be a good basketball team and it's driving people up a wall seeing them do this now uh when when there's really nothing on the line and and you you kind of you just know that what could have been was pretty damn good
0: yeah okay so let's start there. There's one thing I, I want to start with there. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Aaron is talking about with regards to Seth Curry, um, George Carl decided after Seth Curry one of his breakout games because he's had a couple while he started. He started four games in a row. Three of those games were really good. One of them was okay. Um, but but basically, following one of those games, George was asked what he thought about Seth Curry's future in the league. He said he'll be around you know two or three years. Uh, wouldn't really commit kind of downplayed Seth Curry as a player compared him to himself as a player which George Carl played uh, a little over four years in the league for San Antonio in the 70s and really never got any traction in the league and that's what George was saying like like I don't know that his future is that bright to be honest with you was a really it was a brutally honest assessment of Seth Curry I don't know that Seth Curry has proven that that is not the case that I don't know that George is way off base, but that doesn't mean that George is 100% right either, and that all of the cards are stacked against Seth Curry, and this is a player he's going to be, and he's going to be out of the league. None of those things are known. So so basically, George went out and said that, and uh, following the next game, I, I think Curry again had a, a another nice game, and in the middle of his post-game interview with Katie Christensen, DeMarcus interrupted and said, you know, is my boy, he's going to be in the league for a long, long, long time. And, uh, of course, Steph Curry picked that up, uh, retweeted the video 100%, maybe 100%, like five or six times. So 600%. And uh, (laughs) was behind DeMarcus Cousins for his honesty and for standing up for his brother. Now, I, I rewind to this because... This kind of tells us a couple of things. Number one, that the players are, are tired of George Carl talking in the media. That's something that's been known for a long time. Number two, whether you like him or not, DeMarcus Cousins somehow has become the voice of the player for this team. And he is the guy who is standing up for his teammates multiple times a season. And people don't like it sometimes. People don't like it when he's cryptic in the locker room. They don't like uh, all these things about Cousins. But the fact is, Aaron, George Carl isn't cryptic. He goes at his players in the media naming them, throwing them under a bus. I mean, the comments about Willie Colley stein Willie Colley stein breaks out, has his career game, and... George Carl's first words where he was a beneficiary of really good play by other players. I, I mean that doesn't that doesn't sit well with any player. And I think George has put himself on the outside in a lot of ways the same way that D'Angelo Russell has put himself on the outs with the Lakers by sort of breaching the player coach code of talking trash. and I, the kings are are sick of it. And I think, you know, again, you can't, You don't always like his approach, but what's coming out of DeMarcus Cousins' mouth, it's not wrong.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. The the thing with Carl, you know, a lot of people on the outside looking in are, are sitting here saying, well, that's George Carl. That's what you get with George Carl. Why did you get George Carl if you didn't think that this was going to happen? Almost as if it's a part of doing business. But it's really damaging because George is going to do that in the post game. He's going to do it in the pregame. And he's going to do it behind kind of closed doors with, you know, the different outlets that he talks with. It creates a narrative that's damaging to the franchise, damaging to the players, players futures, right? Players future. This is all about money as well at the end of the day. So if you know, if you say a guy is completely terrible, his market value could tank. Look at Isaiah Thomas. I mean, so this is um, it's kind of all done and over with. So there's not really a lot to rehash, but You know, you look back at this season and you kind of think, well, what could have been? Because the only reason I picked the Kings to do well is thinking that under no circumstance would a franchise allow a coach to be able to do that. Um, They would reel him in in some way and, and say, no, you can't do that. And that's really, I think, the next step in the conversation about the Kings is how do they start to get distance from the Pete DeLisandro era and start to address the reasons why you lose a season having this go on when it's so obvious that it shouldn't be going on, you know, where after 20, 30, 40 games, are you saying, okay, George, it's time to, you know, we we hear one more leak in the media or you you go at your guys one more time, or you don't make this change on offense. You don't make this change on defense. Then things are going to change. And then we all know, that they almost did change and then they didn't at the last second. So where in that cluster of a mess are things going to improve? And I'm told that, you know, the, uh, the higher, you know, what seems to be an imminent hire of David Morway, you know, it's not necessarily going to address, you know, the larger issues at hand with this franchise. So they can get the experienced guy in the GM slot or the assistant GM slot or however they choose to name it. But how are they going to get the organization as a whole to come together and start making smart basketball decisions?
0: I think that they're going to be okay. I think David Morway is is a seasoned veteran guy that that certainly has experience. He's he's been a GM with some really good GMs. He's been an assistant GM with some really good GMs. He's he's worked with Donnie uh, with Donny Wolf and uh, Donnie Well um, with the Pacers. He's worked with Hammonds with the the Bucks. He's a guy who's got experience who can bring some sort of, he's going to be the busy work guy, and that's what the Kings need. Uh, I think the Kings' message going forward is pretty clear. It's Vlade Divac calling the shots 100%. He is the Director of Basketball Operations, the VP of Basketball Operations, as well as the General Manager of the Sacramento Kings. He will make player personnel decisions, he will also make coaching hires and everything else, and that's what the the kings did this week when they gave him a contract when they gave him a, a contract I mean some people are calling it an extension it's not really an extension he was not under contract before he was just given the job with a with a salary and so now he's under contract and he'll be under contract I don't know if it's a 2 or a 3 or a 4 year deal but but we do know that moving forward it's Vlade and you could hate that decision but it it is the decision it's something that's happening so i, I think that you're going to have to wait and see. I think Devots did some really nice things last summer. They didn't work out. I think this summer he's going to try to do some really nice things again. I think this head coaching hire is probably the most crucial head coaching hire of the Sacramento Kings franchise in the last decade. It means so much. It may be the most pivotal mo- uh, moment for this franchise just because it so many other things wrapped up into one. It's what are you going to do with Cousins? It's what are you going to do with Rondo? What are you going to do? Are are you going to blow it up? You're going to start over? You're going with a young guy? Are you going with a veteran? I I mean, this is such a crucial hire. And I I think right now, I I mean, Vlade is the guy who's going to make the decision. And he has the power to hire who he wants. I agree that he will have the power to hire who he wants. I wonder
1: why the the choice to to bring or to keep george carl after he was imminently uh on the way out you know i clearly there were other voices in that room and those voices are many and they are going to continue to be voices that have say in in the way that things are done in sacramento so i'm not 100 percent sold that vlade you know the buck stops with him on every single call I think that you you do have a number of major decisions that are going to come up. Like you said, coach, um, what do you do with Demarcus Cousins? Do you bring back Rajon Rondo? Uh, we could probably have another another podcast on that.
0: Well, I've been told very specifically that if Cousins is back, there's a good chance that Rondo is back. If Rondo if Cousins well, is gone, then he he Rondo Rondo is gone.
1: Yeah, if you ask Rondo, he's back. With the, the, the quote that Sean pulled last night um, it says that you know we suck this year and the reason why we suck, I'm not sure about I'm paraphrasing, but that'll make it all better next year was what he said to Sean. Um, those are big decisions and they're going to shape the the direction of the franchise, how the game is played, whether or not they win games or not, but you can only be so good. If you, if you don't have the leadership at the top where people know their roles and are performing as such, then you're going to continue to have these types of problems because, frankly, they burned an entire season with the George Crawl experience. And realistically, that was easy to smell almost within 10 games. And, and you you would have almost been, you know, it would have been an easy call to to make a change halfway through the year.
0: Yeah, I think there's a mistake and they know that they've made a mistake. Everyone knows that they made a mistake. And even I've spoken to a couple of people who are like, yeah, the minority owner thing, you know, even those guys know now that it's like, it's such a delicate balance. You have to, you have to do what's right for the franchise at all times. And it can't be, we got to do what's right financially. You have to do what's right for the franchise. And that's something that I think was lost along the way. Um, with all of the again the whimsical ways of of the ownership group and and sort of what Vivek Ranadeve when he changes his mind it's very you know it's like it's one way and then another way and then you just don't know where you're going and the i think really what happened what had to happen here is what happened for for Vivek to grow as an owner i think this is kind of one of those things that had to happen where you force his hand and say, No, we're not going to do what you're doing. We're not going to fire George Carl. And if we're going to fire George Carl, then you're going to pay for it. You're going to pay the $10 million out the door. And if we're not, then we're going to hide it in the budget over the next couple of years. And it is what it is, you know, if we get rid of him during the summer. But for right now, you're not going to do it unless you're willing to pay for it. And for Ron Adive, it showed him that there was a. A point where he can't do what he's doing anymore. He can't continue to meddle and meddle and meddle, or eventually the people who he relies on as financial backers are going to say we've had enough. And so I think this is actually—I know it feels horrible for Kings fans. I think it's a bad situation for George Carl. I think it's a bad situation for the players. I think it puts the Demarcus Cousins experiment in a, in a very—you know—awkward situation. But really, in order to clear up all of the mess behind the scenes and put all of the, the decision making on one guy, who will have input, of course, but one guy in Vlade, this is something that the franchise will be better for living through this right here, I think. And I might be way wrong, but I do believe that that, that is the case.
1: Yeah, I see where you're going with that because it's first of all when they got rid of Malone, I said it was one of the, like the top five worst firings in like sports history. It was horrible. It was horrible. And
0: I mean, that's that's you know that's the, an exaggeration. It is. But well,
1: I don't know. I mean, the impact on the franchise it set it back two, three, four years. It also kind of has put the arena opening in a pretty rough light. I mean,
0: you're gonna yeah, have. But even Michael Malone will tell you that the Sacramento media has made him out to be Red Arbach. He said that. He says that. He's like, (laughs) people around Sacramento act like I'm Red Arbok. He's like, I'm not Red Arbok. I'm a guy with an idea and it was working and it got, I got my legs chopped out from under me and I got fired. He's pretty humble guy. I'm watch how good his career turns out. But,
1: but say it's just normal he's a normal, good coach. Just what it did internally. Yes. Everything that came with it, that on its own makes it a just a terrible coach firing and to get this kind of the stink out of the arena. It does take a couple years. And for people in the decision-making chairs to feel the, 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 I guess the pain, whether it's financially or, you know, in terms of perception around the league, feel the pain from their decisions should hopefully realign them in, in their goals. And you just now think that they've got to learn from their mistakes yeah. And now now that but the, the point being is when you start from day one, which should be like, you know, two weeks ago, but let's say it's the day after the, the season ends. When you start from that day, you don't have any room for error. So you better have your decision making channels in order. You better have, you know, if, if there are additional voices in the room, they need to all be really good voices. Everybody's got to have a good game plan. And so, yeah, you do get rid of the Pete Del Sandro era. You do have of Divac, who cares for Sacramento. That's a big prerequisite for this franchise right now. Mm-hmm. You do bring in David Morway. That makes sense. You reset the board, but Coach, Rondo, Cousins. Three huge decisions. you got to
0: nail them. Okay, so I'm going to go all candied by Voltaire on you. This is the best of all possible worlds. I'm just going to tell you that if the Malone thing never happened, then the – The Pete D'Alessandro, Chris Mullen uh, dynamic was never exposed. And if that was never exposed, then this franchise probably would have careened out of control even worse until they had no talent left and they had no future left and everything was bleak. I I, I don't think that this is the best of all possible worlds, but it is. It's the rough way that we got to where we are at. And the reason why I have been so pro-Vlade is because when Vlade speaks to me, I trust him, and that's something that I can't say about the previous regime, and I think when Vlade speaks to anyone, they trust him and they believe him, and he's honest, and he's the right guy to guide a young owner and a a, a player who's had, you know, crazy history and a, a dynamic of strangeness. He's I'm just telling, I think he's the right guy because like you said, Aaron, he loves Sacramento. Sacramento's best interest is at his heart. Anyone else that you brought in, I'm not sure that you can say that. They no. want the job, they want to make it, they want to hit it big, but Sacramento's best interest is something that the Kings so desperately need because everyone who came in and bought this team is not Sacramento. They they think they have Sacramento's best interest. They have their own best interest, and now we're seeing a change, a change in culture, and Vlade is a guy who can change a culture, I guarantee you.
1: Yeah, I, I'm really comfortable with Vlade as the the overseer of your guys' franchise, and that's going to be tested here. And I, I just implore those that are in, you know, positions of power, if you if you do, you know, care about the, the city of Sacramento and what the fans have been through and all of that. And, and you really look at it as a private public partnership that you guys, um, you know, kind of get those differences squared away so you can let Vlade go out there and make some really tough decisions because you're not going to get a lot of coaches that want to come to Sacramento you're not going to get a lot of players that want to come to Sacramento for a couple of years because of stuff like this last year happening, and it's going to be a heavy lift. And you got those the big, big decision. Do you bring Rajon Rondo back? You guys know where I sit on that, and it sounds like that decision's already been made.
0: I don't think that decision's been made. I think a lot of decisions still have to be made, including the fate of DeMarcus Cousins. The one decision that is made is George Carl. Uh, he will be let go as soon as the season's over from everything that I am hearing, Um, and and that's where the Kings move forward right there. From that moment on, everything else has to be right. They cannot swing and miss, and they're allowed some some foul tips and some, you know, some bunt singles and, and stuff like that, but they have to... They can't miss. They can't miss from here on out. And, and I think that the one good thing about what Vlade's done, just to wrap this thing up, is that in the past years, the Kings have a lot of assets that they cannot move. They have a bunch of guys like Carl Landry and, unfortunately, Jason Thompson, guys that you you can't get anyone else to take without giving them something. The Kings don't have that this year. Uh, teams will take, even if it's a second-round pick, they'll give you a second-round pick from Marco Bellinelli. They'll give you a late first-round pick for Costa Kufis. If, if you want to deal these players, you will not have to give up more with them. You know, Maybe Ben McLemore is sweetener on a bigger deal, but you don't have to get someone to pay you to take him. Uh, Vlade has developed assets, and it, it's something that's good to see that the Kings actually have some things to go. They've got cap space. They don't have a bunch of picks. But they they have the ability to go out and change this roster in the off season, and I think they will. And uh, it all starts April fourteenth.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's it's always high drama with the Kings, and in this case, um, I I I got to see what the decisions are that get made. But um, you know, with Vlade, the one thing you will always have with Vlade is he does know. What Sacramento means, or probably what the Kings mean to Sacramento. So, with that in mind, I don't. I mean, there's only so many things that can really go wrong with your franchise, Um, and and they usually start when people don't have the best interest of the city in mind. So when Vlade's got the best interest of the city in mind, you, you feel pretty good about the future. You just these key decisions. Oh man, they make from a Kings fans perspective. They make my my stomach grumble.
0: Yeah, the future's so bright, Aaron. We've got to wear shades. Yes, exactly. <sighs> All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider podcast. A little bit shorter today, a little a little abbreviated, but uh, some definitely some good conversation. Um Aaron, thank you for dropping by and and dropping some wisdom. And uh do you have any last second final thoughts?
1: Uh no, just uh looking forward to that last game in the uh Arco Arena.
0: Arco Arena. I think there's four games remaining beginning Friday night. It should be a lot of fun. That last game is going to be incredible. So many former players are coming back. Michael Jackson will be in the building. Reggie (laughs) Theus. I'm hoping Pete Chilcutt will be there. I know Otis Thorpe will be in that. Spud Webb. Anthony Bonner. One of the four first-round draft picks by the Sacramento Kings. I wonder if they can find Travis Mays under a rock somewhere. How are they going to fit everybody in there? I don't know how they're going to fit everybody. All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. For Aaron Bruski, I am James Hamm. We'll see you next week.